Well, hi, everybody. I'm Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here at the church and want to welcome you. Uh, Merry Christmas. It's a great time of year to be here. I want to say hi to everybody at our Torrance campus that's joining us. And if you uh, weren't able to make it to one of our campuses in person today and you're watching online, including my son who is home for Christmas, who's watching right now from Kansas. Hi, Ethan. Um, Great that we can be together this way. Uh, This would be a great season to start coming back to church. If you haven't gotten into that rhythm again, our Christmas Eve services would be a great time to get back to church in person. This is week three of our three-week Christmas series called The Wait is Over. Uh, Christmas is here. The wait is over. And um, the idea behind this is that Christmas comes at the same time every year. Shouldn't be surprised to any of us. Uh, But the birth of Jesus wasn't actually a surprise either because for hundreds of years, there were Hebrew prophecies that were pointing to the arrival of the great Messiah of the world. And so uh, two weeks ago, we looked at one of those prophecies that was talking about the miraculous birth of Jesus or the miraculous kind of events around his birth. Last week, we talked about the birthplace of Jesus and how that was foretold. Today, we're going to be looking at a prophecy that relates to something that happened after the birth of Jesus, where Jesus' life took kind of an unexpected detour. And as a way to get into that, I want to share with you something that I saw online just recently. It's the story of a guy who found an eagle in an area of Saudi Arabia called the Valley of the Child. And here's a picture of the eagle. And the eagle had a tracker on it. And so they got into this tracker and they were able to see the eagle's flight path for the last 20 years. And here's what it looked like. So this eagle flew from Sudan to Kazakhstan back and forth for 20 years, but notice it didn't fly over the water. Every time it was going, this would have been the best path, right? Just straight. But it kept taking these detours to get around bodies of water. And this made me really curious. I was like, why, why did this thing not fly Well, uh, over the water? Apparently, a lot of other birds spend a lot of their life flying over bodies of water, but not eagles. And some of the reasons might have to do with some of the uh, uh, thermal air pockets that eagles take advantage of in order to soar. Also, uh, eagles don't waterproof their wings with beak oil. Did you know that's a thing that birds do? That they, they kind of waterproof. So if an eagle lands in the water, if it's in there too long, it becomes vulnerable, has a hard time taking out. Sometimes uh, eagles drown if, if they're in the water too long. Um, a bunch of other possible reasons, but I found this really interesting because I, I, I wonder if that eagle was like, oh, dang, another body of water. I got to go around that. It would have been easier to just take the short path. I thought about how that relates to our lives. See, we like to take the short path, right? I mean, like we say, okay, here's going to be my career. And we say, I'm going to go from here to here, or here's how I'm going to have a family, or here's how my health is going to go. Or here's how my spiritual life is to go. And we, we want to chart a course that's the shortest and the easiest, but then something happens, right? We lose the job. The relationship breaks up. 
We have to move. We get relocated somewhere else. Our health changes. Or our spiritual life changes in some way. We hit these detours, and often we're kind of like, God, what's going on? But today we're going to see that these detours don't have to be seen as a a deviation from God's plan for our lives. In fact, these detours are sometimes important and even necessary parts of our spiritual life. Here's the main idea for today. God's loving direction of our lives includes divine detours. Now, why is this? Well, we'll look at a couple of reasons, and then uh, we're going to celebrate the uh, the end of this service, moving into Christmas Eve for next week, we're going to celebrate communion together, and then we'll close with a song. But here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at a prophecy that was related to a divine detour in Jesus' life. Here's where we're going to find it. It's in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 2. And this is part of the Christmas story. What we're going to read takes place in first century Palestine. Jesus is born to Mary and Joseph And Persian astrologers, the magi, the wise men, show up, and uh, they've come into the area. They've talked to the local king, a guy named Herod, and then they find out where Jesus is, and they visit him, and then they leave. And we're going to pick up the story right after they leave. Here's what it says. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. This is part of the Christmas story. I mean, this is a part that we don't often talk about. Herod was a local king. He's what's called a tetrarch. And that meant that he was a local king serving under the jurisdiction of the Roman Empire. Herod didn't want any other kings in his area. And when he heard that this new king who was prophesied was going to be born, he made a decision to get rid of that king. King Herod issued a decree in the first century to exterminate all boys to and under that were in this geographical region. In history, this event is called the slaughter of the innocents. Joseph hears from this angel, and on that night, he's like, we got to get out of here. Here's what it says. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. And then Matthew tells us this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Let me show you a map of what's going on in that day. Here we have uh, Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And that night, knowing that Herod was going to issue this decree, Joseph and Mary and the child make their way along the main road down into Egypt. It was uh, 80 miles southwest of Bethlehem. It would have taken about 11 days to get there. In history, this is called the flight 
to Egypt. Not an airline flight, but the flight. They're fleeing to, to Egypt. This going to Egypt, and then once Herod dies three years later, leaving Egypt, Matthew says this fulfilled a prophecy. And what is this prophecy? Well, this prophecy, we have it. It's in the Old Testament. It was written by a prophet named Hosea, a Hebrew prophet, 700 years before Jesus. And here's what the prophet says. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. What Hosea is referring to is another biblical story about the Israelite people being rescued from slavery out of Egypt. And here's where you can find this story in the Bible, Exodus chapter 1 through 13. Now, let me pause here and just say, if you have never read this section of the Bible, if you've never read the Exodus story, the story of the deliverance of the Israelite people from slavery in Egypt, I want to encourage you today or this week or before the end of the year to read this story all the way through. This is a key story in the identity of the Jewish people. Consider it like your Hanukkah reading, which started today, right? This is a key story at the heart of the biblical story. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is a story you must read and know. And if that isn't enough, this is a key story that was vital to the civil rights movement in the United States. So do yourself a favor and read this story. What does the story of the Israelite people coming out of slavery in Egypt, how is that related to Jesus being protected in Egypt and then coming back home after Herod dies? How is that a fulfillment of a prophecy? Well, this is a unique kind of prophecy in the Bible called a typological prophecy. What that means is that an author is making a connection to an older story and saying there's a pattern here or a type. For example, Moses delivers the Israelites out of slavery. Jesus delivers us out of the slavery of sin. Or the Jewish temple is where heaven and earth meet. Jesus is where heaven and earth meet. Or in this case, God protected the Israelites and brought them out of Egypt, and God protected Jesus and brought him out of Egypt. The only difference being in the first place, in this first one, Egypt is a place of danger, and in this one, Egypt is a place of safety. The main idea with all of this is that God tends to coordinate and arrange detours in our life. And that's part of God's loving direction for us. Now, why does he do that? Here's two reasons. Here's the first one. Divine detours are sometimes God's way to protect us from unseen trouble. Sometimes we're playing, this is where I'm going to go to school. This is who I'm going to date. This is how I'm going to do my job. This is where I'm going to live. 
This is my schedule. But God sees something up ahead that we don't see. And sometimes God's like, I'm going to redirect you to a different job. I'm going to redirect you into a different relationship. I'm going to close that door over here and I'm going to open this one over, over here because God loves you and is redirecting, detouring you for your safety. This is what he did with Jesus. Because Jesus' life was very unsafe from the very beginning. I was talking to a friend of mine and he was tell, we were talking about like Christmas routines and traditions that we have and he said, when my kids were young, we used to set up a manger scene, and then each of the kids on Christmas morning would take a figure from the manger scene, like Joseph or a shepherd, and then they would read that part of the Christmas story, and then they would put that figure in. He said, but my youngest son kept sneaking in his army figures into the manger scene, you know? And he'd be like, get that army figure out of there. And then he'd sneak it in again. And as the story went along on Christmas morning, he started like putting in all these other army figures. And there were all these army figures. And he got so frustrated with his son. He said, this is a parenting fail. I got so mad at him for doing that. But he said, years later, I read the Christmas story. And I was like, that would have helped Jesus a lot, actually, to have some army figures. Because he was under, I mean, he had a hit put out on him. Very early on, God actually created a detour in Jesus' life as a child to protect him. And the family had to figure out a way to, to, to follow God's leading in that detour. Same thing in that Exodus story that I mentioned, which you're going to read this week or tomorrow or before the end of the year. When you read this story, you're going to see the connection to Jesus' story in his flight to Egypt because the Exodus story is the story of the Israelites who, once they were rescued from slavery, had a very easy 11-day journey up to the promised land. As long as they took this main road, which actually took them through an area here called, that was Philistine territory. But God had a change of plans. He didn't take them on the 11-day journey. He took them on a 38 to 40-year journey, detouring all the way down here. Now, why did he do that? Well, one of the reasons that we read about in the Bible is they were not cooperating with God's detour. God had a detour for them, and they kept fighting and resisting it. They wanted to do things their own way. They wanted to have their own plans. So it took him a long time, and please, God, don't let my detours in life take me 38 to 40 years. I want to cooperate. But the one reason that you'll see listed why God chose a detour rather than the 11-day journey is right here in chapter 13. It says, when Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, finally let the people, the Israelites, go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. If God led them through the Philistine territory, they were going to experience warfare. And these were newly released slaves and their families. They were not ready to fight. God's like, I am not going to put them in a situation 
where they're gonna have to fight and they don't have the energy and the motivation. I don't want them turning back. I want them to keep going to the promised land. That's what God does with us sometimes. Sometimes he realizes, you know, the fight you're gonna get into, the battle you're gonna face up ahead, it's too much. I'm gonna reroute you. I'm gonna change that job. I'm gonna change that relationship. I'm gonna modify your health because I wanna protect you from something that you're not seeing. But here's the good news. When God gives us a detour in life, he also provides what we need for that detour. You know, the Israelites, as they were wandering around the desert for 38 to 40 years, God provided what they needed. God provided food. God provided water. God provided his very presence for them. So they weren't alone. He met their needs. And you know, he did it with Jesus too. Jesus's family was poor. Mary and Joseph were poor. We know that because it was a custom in Jewish tradition to, uh, when you had a new child, to dedicate that child in the Jewish temple. And part of what happened is you would go and you would bring an animal sacrifice as part of that dedication. Here's what we read in the New Testament about Mary and Joseph. They offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, if you go back in Old Testament literature, you'll find that Normal sacrifices were things like goats and lambs. Turtle doves or pigeons were the appropriate offering for a low-income family. They were the cheapest. Mary and Joseph were poor. But in the middle of the night, God says, I want you to pick up your poor family, and I want you to travel 80 miles southwest and become a refugee family in a foreign country where you're going to stay there for three years. How can a poor family do that? Well, the good news is right before that, God sent them three wealthy Persian astrologers who when they showed up, it says they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The visit of the wise men funded Jesus' flight to Egypt. Let me ask you a question. What is an event or a time in your past that you can now see as a divine detour? Do you have that? Something that you look back on and you go, well, here's what I was planning, but then this thing happened, and you know what? It actually worked out good. In fact, sometimes you might have more information. You might be like, wow, this was the detour, but... Now I'm looking at this might actually be better than what happened. I was talking to a friend of mine. He lost his job a couple of years ago in 2020. It was pretty devastating. And he was trying to sort through kind of what was going on. And he finally got back on his feet. He ended up finding a job out of the state of California. It paid him more. He had the ability to live a different kind of lifestyle. He had more time for his family. And it was actually a job that he really wanted to get into. He looked back on that and he was like, you know, I would have never left this job in California. I would have never left. It's God had to detour me to get me to the place where I needed to be. Have you had that in your life? That maybe the detour that you were on, maybe the detour you're on right now 
is actually part of God's loving care and provision of you. Now, you might say, well, I, don't, I, don't, I actually don't know. I, I don't know why God did that detour. I don't, I'm on a detour right now. I don't know why it's happening. I don't see God's protection in it. Or you might know somebody in your life where you're like, they're going through something right now, and I, I, I don't see why this is happening. Well, the good news is what is more important than us understanding why the detours take place is understanding what we should do when other people are facing those detours. And here's, here's what it is. We can be supportive of others when their detour seems to make no sense. See, the New Testament tells us that God comforts us in our trouble so that we can go comfort other people when they are going through times of trouble. And for whatever reason, the detour you experienced in your life, you now have an opportunity to come alongside somebody else and provide them love and support. Because that's what happened with Jesus. We don't have this recorded specifically in the Bible, but when, when Joseph and Mary went to Egypt fleeing Herod's jurisdiction, and by the way, this is one of the powerful refugee stories in the Bible. This story might really resonate with some of you who are immigrants and refugees yourself. Uh, my wife's family uh, were refugees from Vietnam in 1975. And so whenever I read stories of immigration and refugees in the Bible, and it's all over the place, um, it really reminds me that God has such a big heart for people who are escaping one place to find new life somewhere else. When Joseph and Mary show up in Egypt, they're not without community. In fact, in the first century, there was a population of Jews that reached up to a million people. There was a million people community, Jewish community in Egypt. And so when they got there, they were connected with a bunch of other people who had been refugees and immigrants in their own story. And not only did they have being a refugee and an immigrant in their own story so they could connect with Mary and Joseph, but the law of God that this Jewish community followed taught them how to treat foreigners. It's the same scripture that we have today. Here's what it says in the book of Leviticus when treating foreigners, love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. How amazingly providential as this Jewish community is now living in safety in Egypt. They're remembering how they formerly lived in danger in Egypt, and now they're welcoming in the Holy Family. We have an opportunity when people are experiencing detours in life to come alongside and to be supportive and to be encouraging. A couple of weeks ago, I got a chance to meet with a guy I know. He's going through some big changes in his life. Some big unexpected things happened just recently. He even said to me, this is not how I planned it. This isn't how I thought my life was going to go. And I did a few things with him that I want to encourage you. These are things that you could do with somebody that's going through a detour right now. 
One, remind them that they're loved. That's the big thing. Am I loved? Is anybody looking out for me? Yes, you're loved. I love you and God loves you. Here's the second thing. Provide practical needs and listen. Hey, could I, let me bring you some food. Can I go fill up your car with gas? Can I do some babysitting? You know, what, what do you need? Can I help you take care of some financial stuff right now? Can I wash some of your clothes for you? And listen, that's the big thing. When we're going through a a change in life that we don't understand, what we want to do is tell the story. And it usually helps for us to tell it over and over again. So I'll even say, hey, tell me me the story. Tell me what happened. Even if they already told me. I'll say, tell me again. One of the phrases I use is, tell me more. Somebody tells me, well, that's it. I got it all out. Great, tell me more. And then they start talking again. Because there's always more. Don't ask why or try to give them reasons. Hey, why do you think you're going through this? Terrible question. Don't ask ask people why. If we knew why, we'd say, here's why. And usually, I've found a lot of times, well, here's why. And then two years later, they're like, that wasn't why. I don't know why I was thinking that was why. And definitely don't try to give them reasons. Well, why why am I going through this? Well, I'll give you a reason, you know? And and please, don't take this sermon and walk away. Oh my gosh, I just lost my job. Well, maybe God's trying to protect you from some unseen trouble. Like, no, don't make suggestions. Don't, Don't offer those things. If God is going to give clarity to a person, he's going to give clarity to them, not you. Invite them to talk. And the big thing, invite them to move closer to Jesus. Keep praying that they would move closer to Jesus. No matter how long or short that detour is, the best thing is to have Jesus with us in the detour. So here's an action step for you. This week, reach out and care for someone specific who may be on a divine detour. Who is that? Who is it in your life? Somebody on your block, somebody at work, somebody at school, somebody you know here at church. The job changed or the relationship changed or they didn't get into that school that they wanted to get into or they got kicked out of that school that that they got into. The relationship changed, the health changed, or at this time of year, um, Christmas feels different to some people because of some losses they've experienced. And, and Christmas ends up being a detour for them. How could you come alongside them and help them? Here's what we talked about today. God's loving direction for our lives includes divine detours. Why? Divine detours are sometimes God's way to protect us from unseen trouble. And these detours can help us to be supportive of others when the detour seems to make no sense.